Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Ephesians chapter 2. Now, we've got to go back just a little bit into chapter 1 because this is uh, one of those. There are a number of chapters that just kind of flow so so uh, f- tightly knit together that it's hard to even pick it up in verse 1 of the chapter. But he's talking about Jesus and how God raised him from the dead. And let's take it back to maybe verse, oh, let's go all the way back to verse 19. And Paul's in the middle of this prayer, and he says, I'm praying for you that God does some things, opens your eyes to some things, including verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, believers, according to the working of his mighty power, which you worked in Christ. He's saying, I'm praying that God would open your eyes to the great power that he has toward us, which is according to which is similar like the power, notice, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That's powerful stuff. He's saying God has this power for you, the same power according to this power. When he raised Jesus from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is is to come. And he put all things under Jesus' feet and gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, chapter two, and you, see, he was talking about Jesus being far above all principality and raised up above every demonic spirit, government, kingdoms, name that's named, everything, authority. He said, and you, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, like every other human being, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. The rest of the world who are not saved, born again, walking with Jesus, though they could be, they're walking according to the course of this world. And according to the prince of the power of the air, if you're not serving the Lord Jesus, you're serving Satan. Even if you don't think, you may not ever mention his name. You may not ever even think uh, about him. One thought in your whole life doesn't make any difference. If you're not serving the Lord, you're serving the flesh. You're really serving the God of this age because that's the way he controls people, just through their flesh, through their carnality and such. So he says, you used to walk, talking to the believers, and you used to walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now still works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. We all used to do that, Paul said, conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, not only the desires of the body, the flesh, but of the mind, and were, past tense, by nature, children of wrath, just as the others. Now, in your born-again spirit, you got a new nature. But you were, you did have a whole 
uh, nature of the flesh. He said, but now you were by nature children of wrath. In other words, children that are subject to the punishment, the judgment at the end of the age, like everybody else, just as the others. Verse four, all listen to this, but God, oh, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, sins, we were spiritually dead, spiritually disconnected from God. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. See, even when we were dead, not obedient in the flesh, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where? <laughs> Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. He's saying what God did for Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him far above, he did that for you. You may not realize it. You may not see it. It may not appear with your eyes or, or show up in your life. He said, but if you're born again, this is what happened to you. God powerfully raised you from the deadness of sin and seated you in Christ Jesus. That's your new status. You're in Christ Jesus far above all principality and power. So he said, he raised us up, verse six, together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Oh, let me tell you, this verse some years ago really, really stirred me because I was always taught, and people have even said, you know, we were created for no other purpose than to worship God. Well, we should worship God. The Bible's clear about that. He deserves to be worshiped for everything he's done for us. Oh, he, he's God. He deserves worship because he's God. He's right. He's pure. He's holy. He's, he's like he is. He deserves adoration and worship. And then what he did for us, all the more worship and praise and thanksgiving should be given to God. But I had this impression, and I've heard people say, we were created for no other purpose than to worship God. I don't see that in the Bible. I've read this Bible over and over and over, and I just don't see anywhere in there that says the only reason God made us is he just wanted somebody to praise him and to brag on him and to thank him and to love him. I don't see that in the Bible. I do see that we should thank him and praise him and love him, but I don't see that he had in his mind. I just need to create some people that are just praise me and bless me and encourage me and talk well of me. I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see that that's why he created us. There was a love of wanting to bless us. Now watch this. This verse really touched me some years ago. And it says, verse seven, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Paul is bringing out by revelation, God has so much grace and wisdom and love and kindness toward us that it's going to take him ages to lavish all of this on us when we come face to face with him. Can you believe that? It's going to take him ages to do it. That's how full of love and mercy and kindness and grace God is toward us. And he wants to bless us with this. So yes, when we get to heaven, I believe we're going to be worshiping like crazy. And we're not going to do it out of obligation. We're going to do it out of appreciation. 
out of gratitude and thanksgiving for what he's done for us, for redeeming us from sin and hell and everything else. But notice this. Paul said that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Oh, well, that's another reason to praise him, isn't it? That's just more reasons to praise the Lord. So it goes on to say now, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Nobody can brag that they're saved because of anything that they did. It is by grace, and it's through faith. You believe that you receive. You hear about the gospel. You hear about the grace of Jesus, that he paid for your sins by dying on the cross for them, and you receive by faith that grace of God. That's how you get saved, not of works, lest anybody should boast that they did this or measured up to that or whatever. He's saying, no, nobody can do that. It's all by the grace of the Lord. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. When you got born again, you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Watch this. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. From the foundation of the world, when he looked at you, we talked about this in chapter one, looked in advance through the years, through the death of Jesus, and he saw you saw you willing to accept Jesus. He already prepared before you were born, before the foundation of the world, a plan for your life, good works for you to walk in, an assignment for you. You're part of the family. You're part of the mission of the kingdom of God. Oh yeah, you're you're written in the plan. See, and so he says, we're, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God already prepared. He prepared beforehand. And so what should we do? That we should walk in them. So don't come up with your own plan. Walk in his plan. He already has a plan. Walk out the plan that God has for you. It's the perfect plan. Verse 11, therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh. Now, of course, they're still Gentiles. But once you were Gentiles in the flesh, watch this, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Well, they're Gentiles. They didn't know about this whole plan, covenant with God and Abraham and the descendants of Abraham to bring about a Messiah and salvation to the world, these covenants that God made with the Jewish people. They didn't know that. You know, I, I'm a Gentile as far as I know as well. And we we weren't a part of any of that. He said, so you were once Gentiles in the flesh, called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. He said, "That's that was your status. You had no hope. You had no covenant. You had no salvation. You had no part in what God did with Abraham and the Jewish people. You were completely on the outside, without hope, without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross as a Jewish Messiah, he, Jesus was born of the lineage of Abraham. 
Isaac and Jacob. And he came as a Jewish Messiah, the promised Jewish Messiah. But he didn't only die for the Jewish people. He died for the whole world, the sins of the whole world. And anybody that puts their faith in him, his blood, his payment by his blood for our sins brought us near. So now we were so far away from these covenants and these promises in the Bible and all that. But his blood brought us into all of these covenants, brought us into the promises of God and the family. So it says, you you have been made near, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and Jews and Gentiles, has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh on the cross the enmity, the hatred, the hostility, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby thereby putting to death the enmity. So he's saying that this hatred, hostility between Jews and Gentiles, because Jews always knew, they knew they were the chosen people, and they were. So don't, don't make that mistake. Some people say, you're not all that special. Oh, no, they are. They are. God chose Abraham and his descendants, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the descendants of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. God chose them to make a covenant with them to bring salvation to the world. So don't ever get the idea that they're not any more special than everybody else in the world. That's not true. No, that, that, now it wasn't because of their obedience. It wasn't because of their, you know, being more intelligent than everybody else. No, he chose them because he loved them and he wanted to use them to bring salvation to the world. But make no mistake about it. (laughs) The Jewish people have a covenant with God and through the Jewish people came the Bible and through the Jewish people came Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So he said, but what happened was they knew they were special, but the enemy in the Gentile world was working against the Jewish people. And there was this whole rift between Jew and Gentile. He said, but Jesus came and in his blood, he washed everybody's sins. And he brought both sides together in himself, in one family, one new body, one new, uh, one new uh, person who, and think about it, one person, who is the person? It's Jesus. And whether you're Jewish or whether you're a Gentile, when you get born again, you become a part of Jesus. You're his body. So in one body, in one person, the person of Jesus, and we are part of Jesus now, are Jews, Gentiles, both sides, no division, no enmity anymore, no and uh, animosity anymore. Uh-uh. No, why? We've all been washed from our sins by the blood of the Jewish Messiah. Jesus Christ. Praise God. It's a beautiful thing. So it goes on to say here, uh, for he himself is our peace. And uh, verse uh, 15, having abolished in his flesh, well, verse 14, and he himself is our peace who has made both one, has broken down the middle wall of separation, abolished in his flesh, 
the enmity, the laws, the commandments, and such. Skipping down now back to verse 16. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you Gentiles. He came and preached peace to you Gentiles who were afar off and to those who were near and to those who were near, okay, which would include Jewish people. For through him we both have access by one spirit, the Holy Spirit, to the Father. Thank God. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Let me just stop right there. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Let's just talk about that the apostles and prophets. Well, in the Old Testament, you know that often it's referred to as the the words of the prophets because God sent those words, the words of the prophets. But now in the New Testament, we have apostles. Jesus had 12 apostles, you remember. And so now this is all laid on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Well, the New Testament has prophets as well. And so this is all laid on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. In other words, just like God chose Abraham and the Jewish people to bring salvation through, he chose certain prophets to bring messages. And Jesus chose his 12 apostles to bring messages and to lay the foundation of the kingdom of God. And even these scriptures, these New Testament uh, letters, the gospels and such, were written by apostles and prophets that were sent to establish and give us the foundation for how God is now working with us, relating to us, uh, saves us, uh, redeems us, renews us, restores us, delivers us, frees us, uh, communicates to us. This is all, our lives are built now together uh, on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. In other words, Jesus, the head of the church, and all of us, Peter says in his epistle, we are living stones, and we're all together now, and we make up the temple of God where he dwells. So the the Lord God wants to dwell in this temple and we're stones, we're part of this temple. So God lives in us. We're all one and such. So there are mysteries in there. I, we could talk about the, these nuggets for a long time, but I think you get the point that Jesus has redeemed us, brought together Jews and Gentiles. Everybody who's born again is now on the same playing field, so to speak, where we have the covenants, the promises of God. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. 
Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.